This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and I am here with my co-host Susie, though I cannot see her today, so it's going to be a little awkward with the interactions between us two, so kind of keep that in mind as you're listening to some of this stuff. But Susie, you want to say hello to everyone? Hi, everyone. Yeah, it seems from time to time my web camera just is too slow or something like that, so apologize for any rough transitions we might have, but... Nice to be here. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Yeah, so if I seem overly redundant by saying, and Susie, I really like your opinion on this. Um, all right, so let's get some let's get some house cleaning out of the way. Um, for August, we will be doing the sign up for the alcohol challenge. So you'll have to be a member to be part of the alcohol challenge. We're really excited about that. It's going to be a 30-day challenge, something we've never done before. Um, Susie can talk a little bit about that, but she's been doing it as a 90-day challenge, and it's really made some big differences. So, Susie, two minutes. Tell them what it's been like for you. Yeah, so the reason that I did it, there was a couple of reasons. I just felt like alcohol was holding me back uh, from from my body composition goals, as well as just holding me back, um, where I'm saying, my own personal growth. And it's not that I was, you know, drinking heavily every day or anything, but I was a weekend drinker, social drinker. Um, and we all know that that a few drinks and you, you care a little bit less about what you eat. Um, you care a little bit less about your bedtime. You know, all those things sort of fly out the window. And so... I found that by challenging myself to 90 days, uh, it was a way for me to one, just tell people I'm, a, I'm doing a challenge. So, you know, I'm, I'm not drinking today. Um, and I got a lot of questions, a lot of, um, you know, curiosity, but also a lot of why in the world would you do that? <laughs> so, you know, I've learned a lot. I did uh, lose some weight. Um, that was kind of, I, I'm, I would be lying if I didn't say that wasn't one of the goals. Um, but I also find myself sleeping a lot better. Um, I'm enjoying just overall life better. No hangovers, you know, I, no crazy you know, junk food binges, things like that have all improved quite a bit. So the reason we're talking about doing this in September is that it sort of naturally coincides with when people are going to start looking at fat loss. Um, we all know nobody wants to do fat loss over the holidays. So if you're wanting to get in one more fat loss round before we go into November, December, this is September is always a great time to do it. Plus kids are back in school and, and generally people are a bit more focused. So that's yes. why we September. Go ahead. For those that don't know, probably the easiest way for us to transition since I can't see you is, um, for you to say, so Paul, take this over or something, right? Yeah. Um, so for those that don't know, I've been sober over 31 years. Um, what I want everyone to understand about this challenge is that, you know, you don't need to be an alcoholic to not drink alcohol for 30 days, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like if you were asking me related to my experience personally, um, I have a lot of friends that, you know, went through the program 
that do drink now and do have good lives. And, you know, I'm not sure that everybody needs to have that stigma of, of AA attached to not drinking, right? And so kind of keep that in mind. You know, if you have bigger problems and things of this nature, this probably isn't going to be the answer for that. But if you're looking to accelerate fat loss and you think that alcohol may be playing a role in that scenario, then this will be a great challenge for you. And you should definitely sign up. So if you're a member, it's going to be free. If you're not a member, just basically look for any of the posts that say plan and we can kind of run through that. You can also message the page. We also have the ability to go to eatperform.com. You can hit the pink button and it allows you to talk to a coach. So a lot of ways to reach us, as you may know, um, Eat Perform is invite only, right? And uh, we have spots that come up fairly routinely as coaches, you know, get space or as new coaches come on and we've trained them up. But it is limited, right? Because there's, frankly, a lot of demand. And what we try to do is keep a real high level of quality because we know that's what people want, right? They want... They want to be able to reach their coach um, without feeling like they're kind of this number. And I think we do a real good job of that. Um, other than that, Susie and I do have some stuff in the works that will probably be coming out mid-September where there'll be another approach to coaching that could be real interesting. I'm not going to be real heavy on details right now, just because we're we're working on some of the, those types of things. Um, but stay tuned. Really exciting stuff. Um, if you've taken the Better Dieting course, we actually have a new module that'll be coming from Dr. Susan Kleiner, who I'm really super excited about. Uh, I, I know Susan through Molly Galbraith from Girls Gone Strong, which if you're not familiar with Girls Gone Strong and you're a female, you might want to try to do that because it's very empowering for women. And uh, I've always wanted to have more female representation as it relates to PhD, registered dietitian, that kind of things. We do have a registered dietitian on staff. So Susan kind of just adds like a little bit more punch to um kind of the portfolio that we bring to the table. The Better Dieting Institute is actually now closed. You cannot buy it, um, but we might be opening it up uh, in a bit here once we have uh, that module in place. So stay tuned for that as well. Um, other than that, I think we'll just dive right into the, to the topics. And so I'm gonna talk a little bit first. So the main topic is going to be kind of this myth of meal planning. Um, and it does relate to a little bit of what I'm going to talk about right now, right? So what I'm going to talk about right now is um, on these Friday sessions, I meet with Susie literally within 15 minutes of my therapy. And, you know, I hope people don't tire of me talking about my therapy because I'm not I'm not trying to make it into a thing that hey you know I'm this guy and I go to a therapist but I do want it to be open that talking about mental health is an okay thing to talk about right and while there's a lot of things that go on in the session I think that 
the main issue that we're going to be talking about here today related to meal planning does relate to something that came up. And so what we talked about, and Susie actually, if you've, um, if you've read Keep It Off, Susie wrote a chapter based on habits. And one of the things that I have has come up a lot in therapy the last couple of weeks is just building these habits and this infrastructure that allows for a little more balance in my life, which is a role, right, that, that makes sense. But there's kind of this guttural level where you react to things, you know, biochemically wise, whatever, um, that it's not really addressed by habits. You think it is, right? Because it, it, you know, when you have the, the, you know, chicken cooked and, and rice made and, and, and options available, it, it does change logically, you know, how you might react to a bad situation. I can think of, you know, something that happened recently with work where um, I did not have my ducks in a row and then we had an emergency. And luckily, because I kind of have a lot of other things balanced, I did not overreact to it, but I was at risk to, to overreact to it. The simple fact of the matter is, is that overreacting has very little to do whether or not I have chicken cooked, right? It's a guttural, deeper type thing. One of the things that I think happens with depression, with, you know, maybe things that don't really rise to the level of depression, but maybe could be defined as moods, um, you have to want to be better, right? You can't just bathe in the yuck because there's a, there's a comfort in bathing in the yuck, right? There, you know, you can put out a meme and, and, and everybody's like, oh, I feel this so much today, right? Which is fine. And if that allows you to get to the next level where you work on it, right, then that would be a great thing. And working on it does not necessarily mean going to a therapist, but it does mean that you want to actually move away from that place. And so to process it, sometimes maybe putting out a meme and seeing that other people go through it. But typically, people overvalue. I remember one time my daughter, you know, kind of mentioned something that went on with her that, you know, she was very, um, you know, resistant to tell me. Um, and, and once she got it out, she felt a lot better. And I was like, that's awesome that you feel a lot better, but you haven't actually done the work yet. And I was like, and so it's probably going to take a while, you know, for you to do the work to get to a place where, you know, you've actually processed it and, and, and you know how to, to function with that kind of stuff. And I think that naturally, you know, we all have our friends, we have the people that we rely on. So something that came up today that directly relates to all of this and directly relates to the, the, the main, main emphasis, which is meal planning, is are you willing? 
So every day I talk to people, especially in the sales channel, right? So a lot of times when you hit plan, you're going to talk to me, right? Or you're going to talk to one of the lead coaches. And so when I talk to people, one of the questions we ask, you know, is a version of, are you willing? And everyone answers yes. And you're all fucking lying, right? Because you're willing now, right? The real answer is the answer that I told my therapist. I don't know. I don't know that I'm willing because my definition of who I am is lives in that place, right? I often joke about the level of intensity that I walk around the earth with. It's a badge of honor, right? What am I talking about? I'm talking about anxiety. I'm talking about anxiety of walking through the planet with, with this idea that somebody's going to jump through the bushes and that I'm ready to react. It's like, how realistic is it to live at that level of anxiety all the time, right? But there's safety in that because I've been able to, you know, define myself. I view a lot of my success, you know, to the fact that I can highly function with anxiety, that the anxiety actually allows me to react with a stronger sense of purpose, right? So like when people say my haters are my motivators, it's a version of that, right? Where you're, you're saying that there's some level of negativity that propels you into who you think you are which is really kind of shitty if you think about it, because what about the life that I've built? My wonderful wife, my wonderful kids, you know, my dog, you know, the fact that I watch TV and, and can just enjoy that moment that I can go to the water park. And, you know, like when I think about going to the lazy river at the water park, which is something I really enjoy doing in the summertime, you know, I don't have a lot of anxiety about that, right? So, so that would be a moment where that switch is turned off. And I love that moment. And I want more moments like that than I do the anxious moments where I'm walking through life worried about, you know, whatever could be happening, which is a little deep, Susie. Do you have any thoughts about kind of what I'm saying? Or is there any of that that you can relate to in any way? Yeah, for sure. I um um I, I laugh because you talked about the lazy river. I was actually Wednesday at the water park with my kids and did the lazy river. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I can relate to to so much of that. I think a lot of my anxiety, um, which I've been on medication for, it's been you know really unmanageable at times. Has been you know based on um, you know being a mom and and having to deal with some pressures of, of trying to balance, you know, being really successful in a number of different areas of life and, and, um, you know, then try to look a certain way and act a certain way and have your kids act a certain way. I think we can all sort of relate to that, but, um, it does drive me in a sense that I do constantly, um, want to learn. Um, I'm, 
I'm trying to think, I don't think I have sort of a haters are my motivator sort of um, reaction to it, but I do think I just constantly um, am looking at self-improvement. Um, yeah, I, I do. Have, go ahead. Yeah, just to be clear, I'm not one of the haters is my motivators person. <laughs> right? right. I don't believe that. I believe that you can accomplish more with love than you ever will with hate. Um, and but it's funny that I will embrace that on the one area of life logically. And then on the other hand, when it comes to anxiety, but what I, what I want people to think about, and once again, I'm, I'm talking about me, so you can, you can take right. this you like, right. But I'm saying that, you know, even in my toughest moments with weight loss, with whatever, um, I've always gone at it with a I don't know attitude, right? People think that they have to push all the chips in the middle and that that's the answer, right? Problem is with pushing all your chips in the middle as it relates to fat loss, as it relates to body composition, as it relates to really just about anything, is that it can really become sort of unbalanced Right. And, and that's really what eating disorders are. That's really what, you know, orthorexia is, you know, things of that nature. And we'll talk a little bit, bit about that more. And I, I hate to keep saying that, but but there's a lot of, you know, similarities related to food that I don't think everyone kind of considers. I think that most people look at a history of dieting and go, the reason why I've failed is because I have not been compliant through the whole time. Well, guess what? I've not been compliant to overly rigid shit either, right? And at the end of the day, when you look at the cycles and how we built them in each form, it's meant for your compliance, right? It's meant to allow you a mental break. And it's meant to allow you times. Now, the reality is, is that sometimes you're in fat loss and some things happen. And, you know, we do encourage you to kind of stick to things if we've started that way, um, even in fat loss two. Like initially, the difference between fat loss one and fat loss two was more optional but the reality is is how much fat can you really lose in one cycle right so it has to be broken up into these various cycles so that the time element takes over and you're able to lose fat and not at risk of losing muscle and things of this nature but it really is kind of this willingness of being able to go into this new level of thinking, right? The the answer is not that you weren't gangster enough to just eat nothing. The answer is maybe the answer is you don't need to be gangster, right? Maybe the answer is there's a place in between that allows you to still have some level of success without, you know, torching the whole village, right? I think that 
social media right now, you know, glorifies this nuclear approach to nutrition and almost no one gets there doing that. Now, a lot of people will say, I've lost 100 pounds and, you know, I've fasted for 30 days straight and, you know, all these like really, really wild things. You have to realize the context of all those situations, right? If you had 100 pounds to lose, right, um, losing a lot of weight, you know, um, in a relatively short period of time using a nuclear approach, you know, may have been necessary, but what if there was a better approach that allowed you to have a good relationship with food, that allowed you to still exercise, that allowed you to not walk the planet angry because you're lacking food, right? That allowed you to sleep, you know, eight hours a night, you know, would, would those things interest you? And you go, well, no, they wouldn't interest me because I want to be fixed as soon as possible so I can go back to normal. Well, guess what? Go to Chernobyl right now. There's no fucking normal in Chernobyl, right? <laughs> Once you pull that nuclear all-in bullshit, you know, there's a lot of shit that gets fucked up. And I'm sorry that, you know, on some of these I curse a little bit more, but sometimes words need emphasis. And I don't think that people often think about the repercussion. And so when you, you know, see these massive things where people are taking all these different supplements, right, to make up for their lack of sleep or make up for their lack of exercise, or make up for their lack of balance. You know, being overly willing can also be bad. There is a place related to that I don't know that I think is, is really important. And that's just something that I want everybody to think about. I don't want people to, you can have resolve without the nuclear option, right? And so that's that was the top of my brain. Did did you want to comment on anything there, Susie? Um, before yeah, we move I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I also wanted to to point out that sometimes that that fear and anxiety can 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 go the other way in the sense that um, you know I have clients who are afraid, um, deathly afraid of adding calories. Um, so, you know, they're stuck at, at 1,000 to 1,200 calories, and that fear um, and that anxiety over any amount of weight gain is what's holding them back. And so um, I think if we talk about expansion in the sense of what's your energy, what's your mood, what's your productivity, how are you, you know, with your kids, how are you, you know, how are you sustaining or living on such low calories um, with this massive amount of fear, how is that affecting your life? So I see that, that both ways. So I hate to interrupt you. Oh, but, go ahead. Okay. But let's go back to that false bravado that I was talking about, right? Having the false bravado related to anxiety, right? If you are stuck, haven't been able to lose weight, and you're eating 1,000 to 1,200 calories, you are 
basically having the false bravado related to the anxiousness, right? And so you are unwilling to get better, right? They don't cure eating disorders by giving you less food, right? They walk the, the patient through a process of, of viewing food as an ally, right? And so I don't know that, you know, the comfort of, it, it, the question is, is your goal to stay the same or is your goal to get better, right? And answer that question realistically. Because I think most of the people that want to eat 1,000 to 1,200 calories, they actually just kind of want to stay the same. They yeah. don't really want to get better. They think that they want to get better. They talk about, like, they're the first people to say, I'm willing, right? But the answer for you is really, I don't know. I don't know that I'm willing to not live in this dumpster fire, yeah. right? I mean, everything's on fire around you, right? There's all this anxiety, your, your body dysmorphia. There's all these things going on. You're working out two times a day, seven days a week, you know, but you're doing that because that's provides you a level of comfort, comfort mentally. You, you believe that that's what you need be better and you don't know what better really looks like yeah right um and and truthfully for a lot of those folks it's not about abs it's not about health it's not about mental health it's really about um staying the same right and and never moving beyond that fear so that's a good segue for what we we're going to talk about, right? So we started giving meal plans. So meal plan templates, we started giving those away free with memberships. Um, and those are really super helpful. I don't know if, uh, if, uh, if you've seen those, but the, they have six to eight templates that, that are helpful as it relates to ideas in performance, as it relates to ideas in fat loss. And those give you, the, like I said, those are ideas. Then buy a custom plan. Now, if you're a current client, don't hit support and say, I need a custom plan. You're not going to be overwhelmed by this custom plan. The custom plan is essentially for a new person. See, a lot of you listening to this don't remember what it was like to be you eight months ago. Eight months ago, you've never logged food in your life, right? If we get 20 clients a day, eight of them have never logged food, right? So when you look at the custom plan, what, it, what it's essentially trying to do is take your likes and dislikes and get you kickstarted so that you're not paralyzed into, you know, really not even getting started. The, the whole goal of it is to get started. So this is, brings me to my main point. 
is you think that a meal plan is your answer. Oh, if I just had a meal plan and there was some variety into that meal plan, I know that that would make a big difference for you or for me. Um, I'm going to argue that it would not. Now, are there instances where it can help you and guide you a bit? Sure. Like I said, when you first start off, having some idea what to eat matters a lot. But what I see happening with other programs a lot, and this is why I'm bringing it up, is people will often go, if, if I have to eat the same thing every single day, you know, I will not be able to survive. I will not be able to move on. And what they're really saying is, in a lot of cases, it might not be you, but in a lot of cases, what they're really saying is, if I don't have variety, I will go to McDonald's. And what I'm going to say to you is that you don't have a McDonald's problem, you have a calories problem. And the nature and once again, I'm talking to non-eat to performers or, or if you're an eat to performer, kind of remember what it used to be like to be you back in the day, right? Where you try to eat a lower amount of calories every single day to lose as much weight as possible. I can't tell you how many people come into the sales channel every single day and say, I wanna lose five pounds a week. And then in every single instance, I say to them, we're not the program for you. Because all you're going to do is blow through muscle, not, not to mention that most of the people that want to lose that weight, that much weight that quickly, it's not even close to possible, right? Um, you know, they'll say, you know, I'm eating 1,700 calories, um, and I want to lose five pounds a week. It's as if they believe that I'm like this fat loss genie and I can grant wishes, right? At the end of the day, fat loss is really simple. It's, it's math. And, and sometimes the math needs to be a little bit higher to make the lower go work, to make the lower work. And this all makes logical sense to all of you as you're hearing it. And you're like, man, this dude is preaching some truth. But the problem is in practice, we all want it to go a little faster, right? Um, I am currently in a fat loss phase. I don't need a meal plan. I eat mostly the same things. When I'm currently down 15 pounds um, over the course of what has been right about eight weeks. If you look at the first week, which was five to seven pounds, you know, that was mostly because of that kind of initial water release. And so I would say I'm a little ahead of the game, right? But my AP phase where I'll probably stay weight stable will be um, where I will gain some ground back, right? So I'll still be able to stay 15 pounds down, but I'll be able to bring some food back in to allow for the next layer of down, which is the next 21 days in the fat loss cycle. Um, and I don't know that I described that perfectly, but I, I did an article on it recently, so you can kind of look back at the each one page 
and talk about it. But but a lot of times, if you're looking at one pound a, a week, you know, can you get to say two pounds a week? Sure. If you're 300 pounds and you're, um, you know, been kind of overdoing things for a while, sure you can have kind of this accelerated fat loss in the beginning. But if if you are someone that's 165 pound female and you're five five, you know, really that one pound will serve you really well because you'll preserve muscle along the way. But when I look at being kind of deep into where I'm at right now, and so you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably going, wait a second, he's eight weeks in, but fat loss one is four weeks. If you remember, I started as a mini cut and I synced up with a friend of mine who wanted to do it together. So that's why I'm kind of on the tail end. So now that I'm thinking about the math, it's probably more in the six to seven week range, but they are just about to finish fat loss one. So that's when I'll move. I'll move to AP once they move to AP. But when I find myself eating similar things over and over again and get into a little bit of a rut and think to myself, I cannot eat chicken, black beans, and rice again, not for the life of me. More often than not, in that instance, when I want to have some level of flexibility, it's because Maybe I'm overdoing it on exercise a little bit and my deficit is getting a little bit higher. When I'm looking for variety, more often than not, I'm actually looking for calories. I'm actually, maybe I'm a little bit lower on sodium, things of this nature. These are things that Susie and I are probably a little bit more in tune to because we talk to 20,000 clients every single day um, or over the course of, of the app. And we just have an instinct for this kind of stuff in a way that many of you don't. You think that if I go from eating a chicken salad to a steak salad, that'll provide me the variety. And the simple fact of the matter is if you're just eating a thousand calories with the chicken salad and then a thousand calories with the steak salad and you never have a day that you can eat more flexibly, or a day where you can eat more flexibly, we call that the super day if you're not a meat for a member, but then you have guilt about it, right? I would argue, and this is the basis for you to perform, is that what you think is doing the magic is not the thing actually doing the magic. When you look at why a super day is in place, why a high day is in place, what you're typically looking for is down throughout the week of about one pound, right? And once again, I'm talking in theory, if you're 275 pound female, two pounds might be fine, right? But if you get to three or four and you're constantly uncomfortable and you're constantly starving and you find yourself binging on super days, Super days are not cheat days. Super days have parameters. This is part of the problem, and I talked about this in a video today, but this is part of the problem with keto, this problem with fasting, is that many of those protocols, the things that people like about them, is that there's very little parameters, right? So if you fast for, you know, ever, 
and then you know you binge at McDonald's for three days, you're gonna find over and over again that one, it's not a really healthful approach. Your body's not really prepared to deal with that many calories, and that you're gonna roughly land at the same place over and over again, right? If you build in some parameters related to calories, you can actually be a little bit more effective that way, but you have to view the calories as an ally, right? If you've ever been in a fasting group or anything like this, it's not a whole bunch of people saying, calories are an ally, right? There's a whole bunch of people that want to know what levels of, of, of supplements that they can take because they're sleeping three hours a night because their cortisol levels are through the roof, right? There's not a whole lot of people going, I wonder if this is a food problem where I'm, maybe I'm being too aggressive too fast, right? Because we all want to get to that finish line faster so that we can be normal, right? And what I'm saying to you is that the the more gradual approach you take, the more likely you will be able to land at normal. The more of a nuclear approach that you take, the more likely you're going to end up with a body that feels like Chernobyl, right? And, and if you're doing that in a way so that you can eat more flexibly and you can fit in McDonald's, right? Like I can fit in McDonald's every super day, right? I don't, I, I still go with nutrient density, um, but I also have energy density where my calories are high, you know? Um, and it, I guess it sort of depends on how you view pizza, right? Um, I don't just have pizza. We actually have, they have these great salads that I actually, the reason why we go there is because of the salads. The pizza is also very good, right? But I feel like, and I remember this, so I have a strong level of empathy. I'm a fasting advocate. Remember that. Susie's a fasting advocate. But if you're viewing your former bad habits as a way, like if you, if you fast three days just so you can go to five guys, you know, it's just not worth it, right? You can find better food options that allow you to eat flexibly, but also have nutrient density and energy density. If you view calories as an ally in your struggle and you view calories as the reason that will allow you to go to the gym and perform better, that will allow you to sleep better, and that allow you for a better nutrient profile, then that is the more correct answer, right? So when somebody says to you, oh, you fast for three days and then you go to five guys, you have a nutrient density problem, I would say that those people are blowing smoke up your ass. You have a misinformed, right approach you can do similar types of thought processes but you have to view it in a way that you're constantly learning that you're constantly evolving right it's don't view things in a finite way view them in an infinite way 
right? And so um, if you think that you're, let's use the extreme again, you know, if you have 100 pounds to, to lose and you think that once you've lost that 100 pounds that the journey is over, the journey will have just begun at that point, right? Think about going to high school and, and there's these big graduations and graduation parties and like all you did was meet the minimum requirement, right? Losing the weight is the minimum requirement. Being normal afterwards is the graduate part, is the PhD level of what normal looks like, right? And so if you can view things and start to break it down, and, and, and what I always see in these all-in types of approaches or nuclear approaches is that there's not a strong zest for understanding. Um, there's this assumption that normal in and of itself is going to be better, and it's just not. I mean, this was not my first rodeo, right? But when you look at, you know, all my previous diets that I did, this is 12 years in to eat reform. Like the life that I built around this, you know, made everything better. Um, so, Susie, I know I kind of rambled on for a long while there. Um, were there anything that kind of stood out that, that you feel like would be good to expound upon? Yeah, I try to write down some notes as you're talking so that I can remember to come back to them. Um, so a couple of points I wanted to hit on. When Paul's talking about the meal plan um, not being the actual, um, what do I want to say, that the key to, to your whole progress, we get a lot of people who say, I can't do anything until I get a meal plan. Um, and that's fine because I know that you mean that or I know that the person in that moment genuinely thinks that the meal plan is exactly what they need. It's what they've been missing. They need someone to tell them what to eat. I find as the coach that those sorts of comments are often just a stall tactic in the sense that you're still on the fence um, or you're still afraid of, you know, diving head first into this. And Paul said this yesterday, we can dole out meal plans um, for days, but you're eventually the one who still has to cook the food, right? So you still have to grill the chicken, you still have to make the potatoes, you you have to peel the vegetables, I mean, that's still all on, on you. So I say meal plans are great, um, especially, you know, the ones that we do give you a couple days worth of ideas, and, and maybe that's all you need to get going. But think about it in the sense that we macros, macros are just food, right? Um, so you might see a plan at 150 grams of protein and, and 60 grams of fat and, and 149 carbs. Um, that's just food. <laughs> so and you eat food every day. So part of that is just taking the food that you already eat and then learning how to make that food work for you. So as coaches, we can sort of help you with that. We can talk back and forth about what do you already like to eat? How can we make this, this work? I find typically it's a protein issue. So how, how are you going to get more protein into your day and those sorts of things? So I just want to say in, in the sense of, of 
the ideal meal plan. There really just isn't one. The ideal meal plan is the one that takes the food that you like and the food you're already cooking and makes that into the right sort of portions to fuel your diet, fuel your weight loss, or fuel your exercise. Um, the other thing I wanted to comment on, I've said this before in podcasts, but when you're looking at weight loss, always think of like 1% of your body weight, one to one and a half percent of your body weight per week um, is a good range um, to, to think about. More than that, and you're going to be blowing through muscle and water. And the reason you blow through muscle is because you have so little available energy that your body starts converting um, actual muscle tissue into energy. And that's why you lose muscle. And muscle is hard to get no matter what you say. Um, not you in general. What what people say. Some people feel like they're prone to bulking. And, and maybe there's a small percentage of the population that is. But for most people, muscle is generally very, very hard to gain. And it's not something you want to lose. Um, and the last thing I want to say that I see in this aspect is just quitting too soon. So um, I think, and this to me leads back to fear and anxiety, you get the people who start and stop, start and stop, um, jump programs, switch around, sort of looking for that greener pasture or looking for that program that provides the meal plan. <laughs> or, you know, you think that there's always like the grass is always going to be greener somewhere else. And what Paul said, fat loss is always going to come down to a math equation. And at the end of the day, you know, what we provide might be different from what somebody else provides. And maybe you want to go check that out. Um, but I caution not, not to give up so quickly. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons we've gone to more of a longer, longer payment membership option um, in that you need a good 12 weeks or so to, to, to actually give something a solid shot. Anything you want to say about that, Paul? Well, I think that, yeah, there was a few things. You know, when we look at how the plan undulates, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, what we definitely find is that if somebody comes in at fat loss, typically they're going to lose weight, right? Because they're going to be eating at a little bit of a deficit. Um, you know, how big was that deficit? Well, that really depends on, you know, what your math was like previous to this. And there's no real program that does it this way, right? We're really the only program that does it this way. Um, because when you look at the people that have been with Eat to Perform for six months, a year, five years, we have data all five of those years. Right. And so we can then point. I have a great example of a client that was really struggling, you know, for a while there. Um, compliance was not phenomenal. Um, part of the compliance was um, that I don't believe she believed that it would work. And so what I did was is we did a mini cut. Right. So we, we did a mini cut and she ended up losing five pounds and she was compliant at that point. So what I was able to show her was that I could get her to lose weight when she did the plan, right? Um, 
And then what I showed her was I could get her weight stable when she wasn't in fat loss. And then the period after she lost 20 pounds. The, the point being that if you come to eat form and you type in fat loss and you were eating 1600 calories or maybe even 1200 calories, a lot of times if somebody comes in at 1200 calories, they're, they're kind of 1200 theoretical calories. But even if, even in the instances where some of those folks are eating 1200 calories, just getting the days to undulate to where the calorie average might be similar, but on certain days your energy levels are higher so that your exercise is more effective and so therefore fat loss is more effective, we can typically kickstart some fat loss that way, right? Um, what I will say, because um, Susie said something that could get confused and I want to make sure that it doesn't get confused. The meal plan basically covers all days of eat to perform. Um, the majority days of eat to perform are low days and medium days. And so those things are the ones that are emphasized in the meal plan. So kind of keep that in mind because I think what happens is, is people go, you know, they focus on, well, this is two days. These are two days that represent the majority of the days. And the only other two days are the day that one, you get 20 grams more carbs. And then two, you know, in, in some instances, and then the, the other one is the day you're supposed to eat more flexibly. Right, the day that you you get to branch out and and do things. So we don't want you to be limited to just a specific ground beef and corn and you know whatever it is that that are the things that you like. We want you to be able to spread your wings on those days so that food can be an ally and that you can then go to the gym with a lot of energy and kind of propel this this fat loss idea, right? And so when we look at all of these concepts, you know, I think it brings me back to I don't know, right? If you think to yourself, I know that a meal plan is what I need because I go to McDonald's drive through every day, that's not in understanding that's not teaching you to fish the concept of the meal plans that we provide you are to get you started get things kick-started because yes you are correct that if right now your reality is i don't eat all all day i'm starving and i know the thing that'll make me feel better is if i just eat mcdonald's have a milkshake and drink a Coke. That'll make me feel better. And it does make you feel better for those two minutes and then you kind of feel yucky for um, a while after and then maybe you overreact and you want to eat for the next two days and then it's like this big cycle. When we look at all of these things and I think that a lot of this is a metaphor for the overriding message of what's the real problem, right? We can solve a lot of the habits around the real problem, but what's the real problem? The real problem is, 
is when you want things faster than you should probably want them, you're more likely to fail. When you can build a life that allows for you to react things in a more logical way, and it makes sense why your weight is up after a day of beers and chicken wings, right? Even though the, even though you can logically think of that, what happens for you in those moments is you go, nothing I do ever works. Yeah. It's like, well, wait a second. You know, we were doing great until the chicken wings and, and the beer. All we need to do is build in a substitute for the chicken and the beer and then we can kind of get but what what they're really saying is is i want to lose five pounds a week so i can eat chicken and beer so then when it comes back four pounds right then i don't feel so bad about my shitty approach right and it's your shitty approach that has caused you to not actually understand how you work, right? The reason why Susie and I are so passionate about the things that we do is we want you to understand why you work, right? And that takes some time. In the case of the client that, that um, I talked about earlier, it was probably over a year before she you know, let go of the reins, allowed me to take over, and then that's when she experienced the 20 pounds of weight loss, right? And then now we're actually set up to where she can get probably another 10 to 15. We're not talking about an obese person here. We're talking about someone that's relatively lean now that is now looking at abs as their goal. Their original goal was health, right? And so we've been able to move. And so if you think about it with the same kind of metaphor of high school is where you just kind of kind of learning. Maybe even you could go back to middle school. Middle school would be kind of that McDonald's level where you're just kind of operating on a primal level where you're not really conscious of the fact that you should eat, that you should have food prepared things of this nature, then you move to high school where some level of food preparation, but you still kind of want to eat McDonald's, right? You kind of want to have these moments where you can, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. So I'm going to say it the way that I had to learn it. When I was obese, there was a lot about my obesity that I wanted to keep, right? And what happened for me, there's still some things that I still eat to this day, but I can tell you right now there's, there's this Mexican place that honestly I eat to once a month, right? I used to eat, I lived a half a block from the place. I literally ate there five days a week. I can't find it to shut it because I have so much. 
about that, you guys. Um, but I was literally eating there five days a week, and now I eat there once a month. And when I eat there, I eat there much more moderated than I used to. That's a big change. That's the difference between a middle schooler and someone that's kind of a graduate level as it relates to eating. And then the majority of the time that I'm eating, I'm eating foods that are both nutrient-dense, energy-dense, so I can sleep and, and things of this nature. These are all things like you, you, have to, you have to get beyond that primal need or primal want of I want to weigh less, and you have to move to the logical need of I want to be healthier, both mentally and physically, mm -hmm. right? And so when we bring that back to the meal, meal planning paradigm, you might need a meal plan and you might need a little bit more variety in that meal plan so that you can allow for not going to McDonald's as the option right. or not eating energy-dense foods as an option. But don't go fully to the place where you view calories as the end, right? You will not succeed with fat loss viewing calories as the enemy. Book that. You might lose weight, right? Um, but in terms of fat loss, in terms of health, things of this nature, you just don't want to get up off the couch when you eat 800 calories. And you're going to land at a spot. If you don't ebb and flow a bit, you're going to land at a spot where food works against you and it ends up being a negative long term. So that was my daughter calling. We actually have to go look at a car for her because her car broke down. So I apologize for that. Um, but I need to reach out to her to see where she's at because she's supposed to be coming to my house right now. So with that seems like a good note to end on. Susie, anything that, that you definitely need to clear up before we shut it down? No, I think that uh, I think that was a good discussion. All right. I appreciate everybody listening and we'll talk to you later. Bye now.